Let me pray. Father, thank you so very much for your spirit that was here with us this morning and is here with us now. Lord, I am nothing without you. Lord, we all stand in this room unworthy of the presence of the Lord, but because of your unmerited favor, your grace, Lord, has been sufficient for us that Jesus has paid the price, Lord, for our sin, that we can come boldly to you. So, Lord, open our ears to hear this morning. Father, let me speak only what you have for me to speak. God, that it not be from me, but be from you. Holy Spirit, open our ears to hear, God, what you need each person to hear, that we could walk out of this place different, changed, transformed, because we've encountered the Word of God in our lives today. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. I want to talk to you about fasting in the fire. Fasting in the fire, a series we're going to do all month long here at Sanctuary. But fasting in the fire, what does it mean to live in the presence of God? And we're all at different points of our journey walking with the Lord. Some of us have been walking with Him for years, some a few months, or or maybe even days, or maybe you're just getting back into the Lord after a season. But what does it mean to walk and be in the presence of God? And I'm talking about every day that when you go to Walmart, you feel his presence in you and around you. When you go to the post office, when you go to work or you're in your classroom or you're around your family, that the presence of God is real and tangible and that you are aware that he is alive and that he is in you and around you. There was a moment in my life, I grew, if you don't know who I am, I grew up in church uh, my whole life. My family's from Southeast Arkansas, Northeast Louisiana. Grew up uh, there when I was eight and met, went to Missouri. Our family went up there to get a job and grew up in a, in a spirit-filled uh, Assemblies of God church. And I met my wife there in a youth group, but I was not a God seeker. I'm, I'm telling you, I was a good kid, and I tried to do right, and I was religious in all those ways that a good kid should be religious. But there was something that would happen in my life at 17 years old where I would encounter God in a radical way, and I would go off to college and be a part of a ministry called Chi Alpha. It was a campus ministry, and there God would begin to do something in my life I never had any plans to do. I was going to college to be a psychologist, and I had all those dreams to get my three-bedroom, two-bath house, and my Mercedes, and I'd marry a good-looking lady, and she could provide for all my needs. No, not really. That is still true today, by the way. But, uh, uh, that you know, man, I was going for money, and yeah, I go to church and all that, but man, when God became real, something happened in my life when I encountered God in a radical way that I could not stop buying books about God. I could not stop praying. I couldn't stop reading my Bible. I just wanted to go to church all the time. Something radical happened. It was if, as if a fire would be burning up the old me, the shy, negative, uh, sarcastic person that I was, anxious in all those ways and, and, and just negative, and then begin to burn in me and create something new, that the burning would kill the old me and begin to burn something new. And that's been a journey that I've been on for the last 20 years of just seeking after the Lord. And what does it mean, though, to have that fire of God activated in your life? And I'm talking more than doctrine or denomination. I'm talking about just knowing God. For I think for many people, Christianity is simply a bunch of do's and, and don'ts. Uh, for some, it's the belief in a heaven and a requirement of good works more than bad works becomes something of an outer co- a code, a moral code. Well, I, at least I go to church. I don't smoke. I don't do drugs. I don't have sex with other people. I, I pay some stuff into the church, and I, maybe I'm a Sunday school teacher or missions worker or on the worship team. And we begin to do this outer man stuff. But what about on the inside where God is truly activated in your life 
that you're not selfishly seeking your own pleasure or divisive, or, but you're walking in the power and the peace and the joy and the love that God has for you. You see, Christianity is not about doing and not doing. It's about dying and living. Christianity is not about what you do and what you don't do. It's about dying and living. It means to die to your inner person and live to the Spirit of God. To die to who you were and to live to who He is in you. Turn to your neighbor and say, God loves you. If there's anything I want you to know by the end of this service, and we're going to talk about different things, but man, God has, has so warned me and called me that today that you would understand this. God loves you. I'm talking with a love that you can't even imagine, that God has a plan to give you all of himself. He wants you to have everything of himself that he can give you, that God loves you enough to give you unlimited access into himself. What if you could go to a place where you just didn't experience God on Sunday, not just in doctrine, not just in good works, but take you to a place where you sense God in you, around you, and upon you? There is a fasting and a fire. So if you're in Exodus 24, verse 15, somebody say amen. Let me give you this story of the background where we're at right now. Okay, so imagine, if you will, we're going to go back in time, and we're going to be with Moses, and if you've seen Charlton Heston in The Parting of the Red Sea, right, or maybe The Prince of Egypt off of uh, the cartoon, we're going to go with Moses in the, the Exodus story. So let's just imagine the ten plagues that just happened, and we've parted the Red Sea with Moses, and, you know, we've seen this fire tornado follow us, and a cloud overshadow us, and we've gone into the wilderness, and, man, there's nothing there. There's no trees, there's no water, there's nothing. Just us and God. And God has begun to give us manna every day. He's given us quail in the evening. He's provided water out of a rock. And this river is actually following us where we go. And we get all the way to Mount Sinai. It's been three months on this journey in the desert, not knowing for sure what had happened. We get to a place of Mount Sinai, and there we are with Moses. And Moses hears from the Lord, and here's what God says. He says, Moses, I've loved Jacob. And I want this people to be a kingdom of priests to me, a holy nation. I want to create a people to the whole world can look at and see who I am. And they will draw people to me because I love the world. I love this people. And I want to be not just out here away from them. I want my presence to be in the middle of their camp. I want my presence to be in the middle of their mess. But Moses, I'm a holy God. And they're a messed up people. But Moses, here's what you got to do. Tell them to consecrate themselves. Get them, wash their clothes and get clean and don't do anything bad for three days and on the three days I don't want just you to see me you saw me in the burning bush but Moses I want everyone to see me God I want them to know me I want to be a part of their life and I want to use them for my glory so Moses does that three days and on the third morning man it says that God's presence came down on the mountain in Exodus chapter 19 it says this it says that God's glory everybody say glory Glory came down with thunder and lightning and a thick cloud and a very loud trumpet. And it says Mount Sinai was all in smoke as the Lord descended upon it in fire. And the mountain quaked violently. And there they heard, uh, I told the first service, like, it's kind of like maybe you think James Earl Jones speaks from the mountain. You know, there's a deep black voice. You know, I just hear this deep rumbling voice and he speaks audibly the Ten Commandments to these people. And they begin to fear and tremble and they say, Moses, Moses, wait, 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 wait. Don't, 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 let, the, don't let him speak to us any longer because that fire might just come out and consume us. 
And uh, he says, uh, and if anybody comes up the mountain, they're going to die. If a person comes and touches the mountain, they die. If a goat comes and touches the mountain, the goat dies. And so the people are like, no, 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 we can't do that. So Moses, you go. Wouldn't that be nice? Hey, we volunteer you to go up the mountain and talk with God. And so Moses agrees. And God says, Moses, come on. Can you imagine in that moment... Just picture Moses with me for a second, and all of a sudden a goat comes. Maybe there's this invisible barrier. I don't know. Visible barrier is like an electric fence. The goat comes, and the goat dies, and God says, hey, Moses, come here. You're like, wait a minute here. Hold on. Just as, what did you say? I think you need to say that again. Come on, Hold on a second. Moses, come here. And God calls to Moses. He says, Moses, I want you to come up the mountain and remain with me in the fire. Look at Exodus 24, verse 15. It says, Then Moses went up the mountain, and the cloud covered the mountain. And the glory of the Lord rested on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it for six days. And on the seventh day he called to Moses from the midst of the cloud, and the eyes of the Son of Israel, the appearance of the glory of the Lord, was like a consuming or a devouring fire on the mountaintop. And Moses entered the midst of the cloud, and he went up. Everybody say, went up. That's going to be key in a minute. He went up the mountain, and Moses was on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. And Deuteronomy will tell us in chapter 9, verse 9, that he ate nothing and he drank nothing for 40 days and 40 nights. Now, science will tell you that you can maybe last 21 to 70 days depending on how much you ate over the holidays, right? It depends on how much you have to burn off, okay? So however much you make, uh, how much you got, that's how much you have to lose, okay? So 21 days to 40 days, maybe if you're lucky and you're, you know, on a desert island with Wilson, you're going to make it for, no, some of y'all didn't catch that, but for 70 days, okay? So 70 days. What happens? Man, initially you're going to get those hunger pains. You might feel dizzy because you didn't have your coffee or your Dr. Pepper for a few days. And then, then you begin to go a week and your body starts turning on your muscles. And then after a little while, your body says, no, that's not a bad, that's not a bad idea. So let's turn to your fat sores. It starts withering you away. Your body literally starts eating yourself. Week one, week two, week three, until you've got nothing left of your fat sores. And it turns back to your muscle. And guess what happens? After it quickly consumes your muscle... Your body begins to turn inwardly to your organs, to your inner organs, like to your stomach, your heart, and eventually your blood pressure begins to drop, and then your heart rate begins to drop, and finally, organ failure. And during that process, you're going to notice like your fingernails are going to chip more, your hair is going to fall out, your skin's going to turn pale, you're going to have internal pain. That's just with no food. It says that Moses drank no water. You ever gone 40 days without water before? No. They say three days without water is really what you need. Or three, you have to have water at least every three days. Some people can say maybe 14 with no water, no food. But if you have no water or no food, you will be dead within two weeks. Your body, your kidneys begin to shut down, your organs begin to fail, and you die. And there was Moses who lived 40 days fasting in the fire. How did he do that? Because the presence of God is life. It's the presence of God that gives life. You are more than just this natural body. You are more than just this fleshly person. There is a spirit man. And Moses learned that day that in the presence of God, there is supernatural life. How many say amen to that? 
In the presence of God, there is life. Your Christianity is not just about doing and not doing. It's about dying and living. Moses was dying to climb that mountain. There was this, let's look at this and talk about dying and living. On the dying part, Moses was dying in that mountain. It says that the glory of God rested on that mountain. That word rested in the Hebrew is the word we call, and if you've been around Pentecostal charismatic circles, you may have heard people say the Shekinah glory of God. How many people heard that before? The Shekinah glory. What does that mean? It's the resting or the dwelling or the tabernacling glory of God. It means the tangible presence of God filled that place. If you've ever been in a church service before where you've really felt something different, man, there's something in the room. It's not just a bunch of people singing and some guy preaching, but man, there's this atmosphere where you feel the tangible presence of God. It says that tangible Shekinah glory of God rested, dwelt on the mountain. And it says that anyone who went to that place because God was so holy would die. And Moses himself didn't dare go to that mountain until God called him. Why? Because it's only by grace through faith that you can access the presence of God. Moses would have went up to that place by his own works. He would have died. And if you want to enter the presence of God, it will never be by your own self-works or self-efforts. It's only when God calls us by his grace that we can live. And that Moses had to be willing to die. Can you imagine? Just think with me. Just get it real. Can you imagine what you would have had to psych yourself up with to go up this place? I mean, it's this volcano mountain, and then there's a cloud, and there's fire consuming, and the lightning and thunder, and it's quaking. And God says, hey, you, come here. Can you imagine just taking that, the goat's dead over here, and you're, you're taking this first step, and it's flames, and you just kind of you know, you ever kind of put your hand in the fire when you were a kid and played with it just to see if you, how, how many hairs you'd burn, right? And you just put your hand, it's not burning. And you take another step. And can you imagine, he can't see where he's going. It's just a cloud and he's flames just to take a step deeper in and deeper in and deeper in and not know where you're going and that you realize I'm not being consumed in this consuming fire and that he would disappear for 40 days but the word went up, it says Moses went up, that literally in the Hebrew means to be taken up or to climb, but it's also the same word we use for offering a sacrifice, to lift up a sacrifice of praise. Moses, in one sense, what he was doing is when God called him, he said, man, I want to gain the glory of God, the presence of God in my life, and I am willing to die to myself if by any means I can gain it. So I lift myself up to God, and he walks step by step in faith, because the grace of God was providing him access into God's presence. That's exactly how Christianity works still today. It's when you realize that, man, I'm going to lift myself up as an offering to God, and the grace of God has called me to a place where I don't deserve and there's nothing I can do to gain it, but faith takes me step at a time to willing to leave that old life behind. Remember what Jesus said? If you want to be my disciple, deny yourself. Pick up your cross daily and follow me. That's exactly what Moses was doing. Remember what Paul said? He says, I am crucified with Christ. It's not I who live, but Christ in me. And the life that I live, I live now by faith in the Son of God who gave himself up for me. And he says, if you want to live in the Spirit, you got to learn how to walk in the Spirit. It means that I am trusting that God is good. Listen to me. Sometimes we think God is some big 
God waiting to hit you on the head on top of a mountain. He's got flames of fire. He's fearful and he is holy. And yes, he is. But he's the same God that says, man, I so love you that I am calling you by grace to get to a place to where I am. If you'll just be willing to lay aside your life and willing to die, man, I'm calling you to places you could never go on your own. That's a God who loves you. Man, wouldn't it be awesome just to be in the presence of God and just have him envelop you, all of him envelop you. He fasted to live. He died to climb, but he fasted to live. Are you willing to lay down your thoughts and your behaviors and your attitudes, not just for religious works, but to go step by step deeper into the presence of God? Is it worth it to say, man, I don't want to watch this anymore. I don't want to say those things anymore. I don't want to do these things anymore. Man, those things are not worth the presence of God. I want to give up my inner person to gain who he is calling me to be. That's Christianity. You can do all the outer works you want, but until you begin to die to yourself so that you can live in the Holy Spirit. And there's a lot of people who want to die, and they'll go with Christ to the cross, but they'll never get past the cross and get to the empty tomb in that upper room that was later on. You see, it's like, oh, I feel good when I deny myself. I stop drinking, I stop smoking, I start going to church, I do all these outer things, and I'll die and die and die. But that's just half of it. God has called you to live, to truly, truly live in His presence because He loves you that much. Somebody say amen. amen. Now look, He says, and He began to live. He fasted to live. He was fed by the Word of God. That means on... Uh, by, um, Commentators say that maybe on the top of the mountain was 30 paces wide. So just 30 paces. Can you imagine? You're just like a fog. You can only see 30 paces in front of you. And there he is. He's sitting on the mountain. And his flesh is withering away. But there's something feeding him. He's never experienced this before. I believe, just me, I believe Jesus was right there on the top of that 30 paces. And around him was the Holy Spirit in a cloud, a covering cloud. It says, consumed the, the mountain. It clothed him and empowered him. And then he was there. And every day he just got fed the word of God. He just got fed the word. Jesus was right there talking to him. And, then, and if you can picture, he's writing down the Ten Commandments on that stone with his finger. And he's just taking in the word of God. You see, there's something supernatural about the word of God. There's something more than food and TV and internet and Coca-Cola. There's something that when the word of God is activated in your life, it feeds you in a way that it just magnifies him and fills you in a way that nothing else can. How many know what I'm talking about? Man, there's something about the life-giving spirit and the word of God that can pour into you and say, God, nothing in this world is like what I have with you. There are days that go by and you get busy and you forget to read your word and let me tell you something, even in the boring parts, I'm, I'm studying on personal uh, note, you know, Deuteronomy and Leviticus and just kind of going through some of those, what we call the boring parts of scripture. But man, even when I'm not in that, and let's say I have a day where I'm not even in the boring part of the word, it, there's something that withers on the inside of me. Man, just skipping that day, it's like, ah, oh, I didn't eat enough of the Lord today. I didn't take enough of the Lord in. There's something that is yearning on the inside that says, God, I've got to have you more than I have life, more than I have breath, more than I have air. And there's something supernatural. Remember that Jesus, uh, if you know the New Testament, Jesus in the wilderness, he was in the wilderness for how many days? 40 days, and he fasted. And remember what does, uh, Satan begins to tempt him, and what does he say to Satan? He says, Satan, man cannot live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You know he was quoting? Moses. I think that's so powerful. Jesus quoting Moses. Why? Because Moses learned something on that mountain. 
Moses would write down to the children of Israel in Deuteronomy, he says, guys, I learned something on this mountain that I didn't live by water and bread for 40 days. I lived by the presence and the word of God supernaturally. And God has called you to go to this wilderness that you may learn that man doesn't live by bread alone, but on everything that comes from the Lord. Man, God has got something for you better than anything this life has to offer. And it's in him and his word and his spirit. And that's what the spirit man needs in your life today. Is your Christianity doing and not doing, or is it dying and living? What satisfies you more than TV time? What satisfies you more than speaking gossip about your family or your coworkers? What satisfies you more than doing anything else? And for Moses, it was the presence of God. Man, I learned to live on that mountain in the presence of God. The bad news for Moses was that he had to come down the mountain. If you know the story, remember the story? He comes down the mountain and he's like, what happened to all these people? They're waiting waiting 40 days and they made the golden calf and he throws the Ten Commandments down. He had to come down and leave that. Man, God has loved you in such a powerful way that he has provided a template in Moses. I'm gonna show you something really profound today through the life of Jesus. That today you don't have to leave the mountain. Moses had to leave the mountain, but you and I can walk in that fire every single day. In John chapter 1, let me show you what happened. Remember the cloud and the glory, says the Shekinah glory came down? In John chapter 1, John writes it this way. He says, that word became flesh, and he dwelt, or he tabernacled among us, and we saw his Glory, glory of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. And John is saying something powerful there in just that first opening lines of, of his gospel. He's saying that same glory that dwelt on the mountaintop has now come down in a new and a powerful way that Jesus himself is the full manifestation of the glory of God. And just like they saw him come down on the mountain, now you and I can see Jesus come down in our life. That Jesus is the glory of God made flesh. He is that same spirit. If you can see that fire in your mind's eye, that's how you should see Jesus. Remember what John the Baptist said? He said, guys, there is one coming after me whom I'm not worthy to even untie the shoelaces of his sandals, and I have baptized you in water, but he will what? Baptize you in the Holy Spirit and with fire. John saw Jesus for who he really is. He's that consuming fire. He is that baptizer, the fire giver. He, later on, he'd say that he gives the spirit without measure in John 3, 34. So he's the glory that came down. He's that fire that came forth. And he took his disciples. If you remember the story, after the third day, he rose from the grave. And he said he began to appear to Peter and all the disciples for a period of 40 days. For 40 days, Jesus took his disciples up to mountains, the Mount of Olives, the mountains in Galilee, and began to pour into them and open their eyes to the word of God. It says they, their hearts were enlightened. And in John chapter 20, it says that he breathed his Holy Spirit on them. He said, receive ye the Holy Spirit. They had their awakening. They were saved in that moment. The Holy Spirit came inside of them and they were saved. They were born again. They were made alive in Christ. And there was something awakened on the inside of them. They said, man, we are, we're on this mountain for 40 days with Jesus. And he keeps appearing to us and the words alive and we're living man we're really really living before we just followed him around but now he's like on the inside of us and now I see man I understand all the prophecies I understand the Old Testament how it's now living inside of me 
And then Jesus says what? He says, well, I'm going to the Father, but I'm sending you the promise of what my Father sent. And his whole design is right here. He says, you are to stay into that city until you are clothed. Everybody say clothed. Clothed with power from on high. In Luke 24, and then in Acts, uh, he would, Luke would add this. He would say, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you'll be my witnesses in both Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the remotest parts of the earth. That word clothed is kind of reminding us of that cloud. That cloud clothed the mountain, encompassed the mountain. He says, you're going to be encompassed. You have the Holy Spirit with you or in you now that I've breathed inside of you, but you're going to have the power envelop you. You're going to have my presence come around you. Like Moses on the mountain had that cloud surround him and that fire consume him. You're going to have a moment with me in just 10 days from now on a day called Pentecost, and you're going to have that power come around you and be lost in my presence, just like Moses was. And just like Moses went up the mountain, he calls them to an upper room as they were again for 10 days lifting themselves up in prayer to God, saying, God, we will go and reach the world for you. Jesus, we will do what you've called us to do because we see how much you have loved the world and loved us, that we were sinners and fishermen, but now you have loved us in a way that you've called us to follow you. Your spirit is in us, and God, I see that you so paid the price for the whole world to know. You see, from the very beginning, God has always wanted to be in the middle of his people, in the middle of your mess. God told Moses, I wanna make them a kingdom of priests, but I can't come down the mountain because they'll die. So Jesus comes down, and the glory, when you couldn't get up the mountain, Jesus came down the mountain to you, to put that same Holy Spirit fire, not just up there on the mountain, but inside of you to can burn away that old man and live with you to a new man that you can be the people of God he's always wanted you to be. Doesn't that sound like a God who loves you in a powerful way? Sometimes in... Uh, Pentecostal circles, we won't preach the baptism of the Holy Spirit with love, but it is really a story. Can you see that template and that design that he foreshadowed it with Moses? He says, I want to be in the middle of them, and I want them to be all into me. The question for you and for me is how much we want to be in the middle of God. In Acts 2, it says, There was a sound from heaven and a violent rushing wind. It filled the whole house where they were sitting, and there appeared to them tongues as of fire, distributing themselves and resting on each one. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit was giving them the utterance. And you and I can debate doctrine and denomination all day long, and that's really not my goal today. Simply to this, God loves you to give you everything. God wants to give you everything. I don't care what your denomination or your doctrinal positions are. God's story is a story of love. He says, man, I want every person on that mountain with me. I want every person to feel my spirit with them, in them, and upon them. That it's not about levels or highs or checklists. or That's all religious stuff. God loves you, and it's the most beautiful story of his love that he would do what no one, only Moses made it up there on that first time. But Jesus came down that you might have him and life abundantly to live truly in the presence and the power of God on a daily life, to not leave that fire on the mountain, but to take that fire with you at the grocery store, in your marriage, as you parent your children, as you go to Walmart, as you go through your life as a, as a worker in your job or an employer, to say, this is a person who is with the Lord and the Lord is with them and people would take notice and say, man, God is alive. 
And he loves us in a powerful way that we can experience him every single day. There is a fasting and there is a fire. And the fasting is, who's willing to walk up the mountain by faith? How much of your old life are you willing to give up that you might gain the glory of God? Moses was willing to go all the way. Peter and James and John, those disciples, they were willing to go all the way to make it past the cross to the upper room to say, God, we just want everything you have. They didn't know doctrine. They didn't know denomination. They just knew God. They knew that Jesus died on a cross because he loved them and that Jesus said, guys, I want you to have this. I want you to have all of me. I want you to be full of me, empowered by me, because I want to use you to change the world. That's still for you and for me today. And it's going to look different in each of our lives, but it's going to be that God so loves you, he wants you to have all of himself. Would you bow your heads and hearts with me this morning? Worship team, would you come? You can see God's glory in Jesus today. <clears throat> you can give up yourself by answering his call. He can feed you every day by the word of God and his spirit. And he desires to encompass you, to envelop you, to clothe you by his power. So he can send you out to tell the world of his love. And all you've got to do is, like Moses, trust by faith that the grace of God is good. That he's not got something bad for you, but he loves you and he's calling you higher. Jesus says... Come, follow me. Come up the mountain with me. Leave behind your old life and find true life in his word and in his presence. And it's a journey every step of the way, just taking it by faith to get more and more and more of God. You will fail, you may fall, you may stumble, but just to get back up and say, God, I'm taking each and every day a step closer to you to open your eyes to see more and more of him in your life. You're all, we are all at different places on that journey. And understanding, sometimes we have to leave our denomination behind and our doctrinal preferences and, and just see the Word, see the Spirit and say, God, I just want everything you've paid the price for. That God loves you. He wants you to have all that He has paid. He wants you to have all of Himself. And every day you walk in the presence of God and you take that fire with you. But there's a fasting to be done. God, I'm giving up anger, giving up negativity. Maybe you need to forgive someone. Maybe you need to do something that God has called you to do for so many years and you've put it off. Say, God, I'm willing to lay it down that I might have your fire burn in my heart and truly live, truly live.